Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Racecast UK. On today's show, episode three, we'll be covering the incredible Austrian Grand Prix race of the weekend, what this means for the rest of the season. Do Mercedes have a lasting engine sensor issue that could affect them for the rest of the season? Will Sebastian Vettel see out the rest of the year with Ferrari? Ferrari's upgrades being brought forward. Hamilton's penalty, harsh or not. The results of our predictions and predictions and thoughts for the race this weekend. I'm joined by my friend and co-host Aaron Northfield. How are you doing, mate? You're right. Very well, sir. How are you? Very, very good. Finally got the uh, first race of the season out of the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it was a bit of a uh, bit of a cracking one, wasn't it? Oh man, honestly, I loved every second of it. From literally, I mean, the first mm, ten laps or so. When you, when you see those Mercedes just drop off into the distance, you kind of think, oh, it's the same old, same old. But as that race unfolded, honestly, I was hooked. Yeah, it was very, very good. I mean, I read a, a quote and a sort of race review from Martin Brundle, and he said it was like a like a race of old because there were so many so many mechanical and technical um, retirements that it just, just didn't seem like Formula 1 in the hybrid area. Yeah, I mean, I, that race has pretty much kept me kept you on the edge of the seat throughout i mean i think only 11 cars finished if memory serves me right and each one of them you know each dropout was unique there wasn't like uh, an engine failure here an engine failure there i mean take danny uh, sorry danny Kavia for example and um tire blowout yeah. albon obviously dropped out because of engine issues raikkonen his wheel fell off i could, um, not, could not believe that they could have been really dangerous yeah it, it what i love was just the variety of like mess ups if, if, if that's the way no not mess ups that's probably the wrong way of terming it but like to just share problems i mean as i say you got breaking them with his wheel form off caveat with uh just a completely blown up tire you had grosjean who had disc uh, brake issues and same with magnuson stroll with engine issues danny rick with engine issues and uh, you know it, it just seems like every engine has its own has a flaw of some sort and it, it's it's nice to see that you know there's a little bit of spice going back into it and that just might be because people are rusty and whatnot after such a huge break but it's just brilliant to see and it keeps you on the edge of the seat not great for the teams but because i yeah. imagine it's cost them a small fortune to to fix some of those cars but for us as fans it it's what we want to see we want to see exciting racing we don't want to see two cars just disappear into the distance and you know from that one and then at the end of the race they're taking the checker flag yeah, totally, totally agree. I mean, it feels it feels really, really weird because it's it's July and that was definitely I know it's the first race of the season, but that was definitely like a race from March where lots of teams are having technical problems because it's a new season. Um, but yeah, it just really surprised me in the amount of technical issues that we did have. Yeah, I mean, it, it was strange because every engine supplier, Mercedes, Renault, Honda, Ferrari, every single one of them had some form of problem. Yeah. Uh, Ferrari just massively underpowered. I mean, you look at the classification and and just the race in general. The pace of the Ferrari was nowhere. Alpha, Haas, Ferrari themselves. Yeah, just really know, far they, down. They were just really slow. Mercedes, clear engine problems. Whether it was gearbox or engine, you know, we we don't quite understand yet. But it, there's definitely something wrong there. You've got obviously the Renault. Uh, Danny Rick retired. Mm. um honda max and albon both out uh so yeah as i say it's, it's just nice to see that there's a bit of variety in there 
Yeah, I mean, I, know, I read um, a quote from Bonotto um, just basically saying that they were losing like 0.7 of a second from like turn two to turn three, which is obviously yeah, flat out, yeah. flat out full power. That's just so, ridiculous. Yeah, because of the technical directive from last year in relation to their engines, they've obviously moved something back and obviously made some changes and they're losing a hell of a lot of pace. So, so come somewhere like Spa or Monza, they're just going to get annihilated, aren't they? The Ferrari-powered cars. Yeah, I mean... I- this is, I don't know whether the upgrade that they're planning on bringing to Hungary includes an engine upgrade or whether it's just purely chassis at this point. Because I don't, I, I mean, I, I could be wrong here, but I don't recall them making an announcement around engines in terms of Haas and Alpha also getting some form of upgrade. I just, the way that they seem to have tailored that, that press release was Ferrari specific. Yeah. Which makes me think that that engine isn't going to be getting an upgrade anytime soon. Could be wrong, but that's just the way I read and interpreted it. Yeah, I mean, I think the the rules are at the moment, isn't it? Or what the teams, the engine suppliers like to do is that the other teams get um, parity on the engine. So it used to be, you know, the other teams, say the customer teams, would have an engine two or three upgrades behind. But now yeah. I think is they actually get exactly the same specification of the engine as the main manufacturer teams. Yeah, I think a couple of years back they solidified that in the rules. Uh, I can't remember what season it was. It was either mm. 17 or 18, I think, that they kind of brought that fairness in line. But no, think, it, it is good to see. I mean, the thing is, Austria Red Bull Ring always produces a good race anyway. Doesn't oh, it? God, so, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, um, yeah, really, really exciting. And it was, it was a great way to start the season. I don't know whether that's... Um, a sort of a form book for the rest of the season um, because I think without the engine and sensor issues that Mercedes had, I think they would have just, and without Hamilton's penalty uh, moving down three places, I think they probably just would have annihilated the field, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the only exception, when when you look at raw power, Mercedes is dominating that field. It, it's, you know, within a couple of laps, both Lewis and Valtteri were just flying off into the distance. The, the exception to that is obviously Williams, but we, we know that Williams, you know, have issues of their own outside of the engine, which is why they were slower than the rest. Yeah. But you, you look at that racing point car, that is a quick car. Um, yes. I say, yeah, before Castrol had some technical issues, then the end didn't. Um, Perez had a penalty, didn't he? Uh, was it yeah, five s- seconds at the end of the race. Was that speeding in the pit lane, was it? Or? Yeah, it was, yeah. I think it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean that racing point does look uh, does look very, very good, and it's, <clears throat> it's nice to see that team up there, isn't it? Sort of fighting with the other manufacturer teams, and yeah, you know, fighting for the fifth, fourth, and third places. Yeah, I mean they seem to have developed a really good solid car. I mean, granted, you know pe- people are taking the mick out of them, saying, "Oh, it's just a Mercedes carbon copy." But when you think about it, they've been really smart in what they've done because it's it was meant originally meant to be the last year before the technical changes in for 2021, which have now been pushed back, as we all know. Yeah. So why not why not copy a concept that is proven to work in, in, in the likes of Mercedes instead of having to develop something of your own for the sake of one year when you're not going to develop it past that, you know, granted with the exception of those rules now being pushed back. But I honestly think they've hit the nail on the head and with the rules seemingly being frozen for next year in the sense that the teams have all got to use the same chassis and they can just optimise them. I honestly think these next two seasons, they've, they've got a really good chance of, of nipping some points and some positions from other teams. Definitely, yeah. And Stroll, who, uh, um, if anybody's listened to previous podcasts, um, I'm not a massive fan of it. I was actually quite impressed with him at the weekend. 
Yeah, he seems to put out a good performance in qualifying. He has a very strange driving style, I noticed, in qualifying. He's very twitchy on his wheel. He, he, he puts a lot of input into the car. When you look at the likes of Sergio Perez, for example, um, his teammate, it, it, his driving style is just a lot smoother, whereas Stroll constantly seems to be fighting the car. When you look at side-by-side comparison footage, there's just a huge difference in driving style. Now, I don't know whether that's just him getting used to the car, bearing in mind the limited mileage he's had in it, yeah. or, or whether that is just purely his, his, his racing and driving style, or whether it's just a confidence thing in the sense that he feels that he has to get do that to get the most out of it. I don't know, but it, it's it's unique, I would say, when you when you look at him compared to his teammate. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously more than capable of driving a Formula One car, but I, th- I, I think gotcha. it's I think it's more for me when he sort of steps outside of the car. I know you shouldn't necessarily judge drivers like that, but when he steps out of the car and he's talking to the press, it just seems like he's just not interested. But I don't know, maybe that's sort of his personality in a way he's kind of coming across. Would you be if you if you were an F1 driver? Would you be bothered standing there talking to press? I don't no, think so. <laughs> no, no, But then I suppose you know his uh, his dad owns a team. Not that I'm suggesting that's why he's got to drive. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know his dad owns a team and he's got an F1 driver. Yeah, I don't know. He's just uh, yeah, maybe he needs to come across a bit more enthusiastic. But um, what would you give a rating out of ten for the race of the weekend? E- easier ten. It's just got to be uh, I think- the amount of. Yeah, just the sheer amount of entertainment I got from that. I mean, there are races I've watched that have nearly been falling asleep halfway through because there's been a lack of entertainment. But from the point where Max retired, that race changed. Yeah, I mean, I was I was really really gutted when when Max had his problem because I was because he was on the medium tire, so the opposite opposite tire to to the Mercedes. I just thought come the end of the race where he's normally really strong, maybe the last 25, 30 laps on a set of softs, he'd just be like absolutely smashing the lap times and chasing down, chasing down the Mercedes. And I was really looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, guttering is, it's, it's one of potentially eight races, uh, you know, and he's potentially lost 18 or 25 points. So it's a big drop. Yeah. Speaking of dropping points, there were a couple of teams there, as we know, that, didn't pick up points at all over the weekend, which is quite a shock. You know, you got the, the two leading Red Bull cars, you know, top of the top of the field, they're out. Two Haas cars out. You know, it, it, it's it's with it being drop. such a sh- yeah, with it being such a short season as well, that will hurt. Yeah, and what a podium as well. I mean, obviously. Can't, can't believe a Ferrari got into second after their practice pace and their qualifying pace. That was an amazing drive by Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris in third. Amazing. I was so happy, honestly. I, I, it's just nice. I mean, I don't mean this in a horrible way because, you know, Lewis is a brilliant driver, but it's actually nice to see another Brit up there. You know, someone of Lando's youth. It, it's just nice to see the new generation coming through and showing what they've got. You know, he's got a really good teammate in Carlos Sainz. Obviously, yeah. he's been signed for Ferrari for next year, for goodness sake. But it's just nice to see another Brit on the podium instead of Lewis. And that's not me saying that I, I don't like Lewis. I just think yeah. it's nice to see change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think if this is going to give him a massive confidence boost. So when, when Ricciardo comes in, he, he can kind of, if he does well for the rest of the season, then he can kind of make it his team, can't he? Yeah. So he can yeah. Exactly. It, so. So, yeah, uh, overall cracking race. Unusual to see Mercedes having a technical issue. I mean, there was a lot of chatter over the radio, wasn't there, about stay off the curbs, you know, that sort of thing like that. You know, we've got a gearbox slash sensor issue. 
and it was really surprising. I saw an article, a news article today. I don't know. I don't know whether it was James Allison or not mentioning it, but just saying that they think that technical issue or technical problem is a fundamental design issue with the car. So it's literally not something that they can then just change a couple of parts and they'll be fine. It's a fundamental issue, I think, with the way the gearbox and everything is packaged at the back of the car. Strange, though, because other teams seem to have had that same problem with the gearbox. It wasn't just a leading Mercedes team. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm no pro by any means, but I wonder if Mercedes have like a bit of a an influence on, on how the customer teams package the car when, when they, you know, design the configurations. I wonder if they go to Mercedes and go, you know, how should we package this, this, that and the other. And I wonder if that has an impact from, you know, the the direction Mercedes give. I don't even know if they do link him, but it's just a possibility. Because, for instance, the racing point, they were having issues. Mm. Um, obviously, the Honda, the, the Honda-powered Red Bull, we know that they had issues in both Max and um, Alex. Obviously, they're Honda Power, but nevertheless, it just it just seems that those curves on that track just do just destroy cars. Yeah, it's it's one of the worst worst tracks for for um, the severity of the curves, isn't it? But you know, the drivers have to take the curves to get the quickest time around the around the circuit, don't they? To get the quickest lap time. Yeah. So, must you know, they're saying saying to to Lewis and uh, Valtteri, stay off the curbs, stay off the curbs. It's easy said than done, isn't it? So. Yeah, but. I think I think from what we saw, Lewis and Val- if there wasn't any instance, I think Lewis and Valtteri could have both stayed off those curbs and still dominated that race. Yeah, I mean, I was I was impressed. I know, I mean, Valtteri sort of tends to come out at the start of the season with all guns blazing, doesn't he? And I think he then kind of starts to tail off sort of towards the end of the year. But yeah, yeah. I was very very impressed with his with his performance at the weekend, especially with all the safety car restarts as well. I mean, that's that's not easy. No, God, no. When when you've got a when when you've got a teammate like Lewis, you know you cannot put a foot wrong and give Valtteri his due. Start of the race, the couple of safety cars we had, he just nailed it. And when as I was watching the practice sessions, you know P one, P two, P three, I thought he's doing all right, but Lewis just seems to have an edge. And then from qualifying onwards, bang, just nailed it. And whatever changed, I don't know, but he seems to be a man on form. Yeah, and it was ironic, wasn't it, that he set his quickest time and then he went off, didn't he, into the gravel. And yeah. Then it was, and then it was then Lewis who kept his foot down going through the yellow who then got the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, in, in Lewis's, you know, defence, he was behind on lap time. Yeah. He may not have saw the flag because of the dust. Obviously, that he hasn't come out and said that, but you can just make an assumption. Based on the position of where that, that where that um, that sign is, the digital sign. Uh, but at the same time, he needed the lap time. So I'm I'm assuming his full focus was on let's catch the lap time. And he probably wasn't paying attention too much on what those posts were saying. Yeah, because it was Red Bull, wasn't it, that actually protested the sort of um, you know keeping your foot down through the yellow flag. But it it wasn't yeah. it wasn't until they released the footage from the 360 cameras which I think was released late on Saturday night, and then Rebel were then able to protest the position on the Sunday because those actually did read those 360 cameras. They're not live transmitting. What they do is they take, no, them, take, not, yeah. Yeah, they take them off the car at the end of the race and then actually then download the footage. Yeah. So once they've seen that, they were like, yeah, you could quite clearly see it. he's kept his foot down through through yellow. But I'm sure I'm sure he come bouncing back this weekend. So. Do you reckon that race was just a fluke? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Lewis, Lewis is just, he's just, he's very good, isn't he? And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, if the, it gets to sort of the fourth or fifth race and it's really close, you just know that he's, he's just not going to crack under pressure. I'm not suggesting Bottas will, but Lewis is just, he's very good under pressure, isn't he? We know that from previous seasons. Yeah. I, I, I just want to see how this season pans out for Valtteri because, I mean, I said to you when, when we were speaking the other day, he just seems like a different person, seems happier. But bearing in mind this time last year, and it wasn't very well known, he was going through a divorce with his wife. Yeah, I didn't you know, realise that, yeah. It's, it's, it, driving an F1 car and the pressure of a divorce and all the other things that are going on, you know, must must affect you psychologically. And it just seems that he's in a happier place this year. I mean, you look at his Instagram, for example, yeah. there's a lot of positivity around him, a lot of positive energy. And... I honestly think that if you've got the right mindset, it, it does, you know, set you up. Uh, we saw that from Nico Rosberg in 2016. He made changes in his personal life. I mean, mm. I think he was doing, um, uh, what, what do you call it, like meditation. Yeah. And he started meditation. He said it helped him with his race. And I'm not saying the Valtteri's doing meditation, but what I'm saying is the change in personal circumstances and change in, you know, your daily routines and whatnot may well have an impact on how you perform on a track. Yeah, and it could be to his advantage, couldn't it, that it's actually a shorter season, of potentially being eight, maybe ten races, we don't know yet, that the fact that it's a shorter season, he'll be able to actually keep that pressure up for for those number of races and potentially win the championship. I hope so. I, I don't want to see this weekend, the, the weekend just gone, being a fluke. Next weekend, Lewis comes out all guns blaze and dominates, you know, next two, three races, and before you know it, the season's over. I want to see 2010, 2012, you know, even the latter seasons, maybe even 2016, where it went down to Abu Dhabi. I want to see a last race decision where it is close and you're fighting tooth and nail. I don't agree with the championships being tied up, you know, three, four races before the end of the season. It just gets silly at that point. Um, But, yeah, yeah, to to hit the nail on the head, I want to see close racing. I want to see Valtteri come back and go... You know what? No, I'm I'm not going to be playing second fiddle to you, Lewis. I'm going to give you a run for your money, and I want to see a championship fight. I want to see a brawl. <laughs> yeah, but maybe we should. Um, maybe they should hold all eight races at the uh, Red Bull Ring. Yeah, <laughs> this is the thing. No, I mean, the likelihood is that that was just a one-off race, and I, I don't. I mean that in. I don't mean that in a negative way, but yeah. You know, these these teams have come back from such a big break. The cars, you know, are still brand new to them. They're still finding out bits and bobs about them. You know, I think as as the races go on, the teams will get better at building them and, and making them last throughout the race. And I think it will be, you know, whoever has the best car will just dominate, and there'll be a lack of safety cars and a lack of a lack of um, you know issues, shall we say, within the race. Not to say, not to, I mean, some things are obviously out of the team's control, but I think as the season goes on, the racing will become more, more predict- what we used to, predict- yeah, yeah, more, more predictable more, and more yeah. what we're used to seeing. I think that yeah. was just a one-off. And grant, you know, I, I'm not saying that I want it to go back to normal because I really, really don't. I want that variety, but I think maybe that's maybe these first two, three races will be like that, and then I think it'll it'll go back to some form of you know normality what we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think if the if the predictions and the forecasts are correct, they reckon there's going to be rain this weekend as well. So that'll be good. Honestly, anything just to spice it up a bit, I'm I'm all down for. Definitely, definitely. Going from um, a driver who's very happy because they won a race to a driver that's possibly not very happy, Sebastian Vettel. 
not the greatest, was it, this weekend? Or last weekend? Not uh, the... No, I feel sorry for the bloke, to be honest. Like, how you still have the get-up-and-go to drive... I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was driving Ferrari, even if I was told I was leaving, I'd still be happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I imagine but, we, all, we all would, yeah. But for a guy who's been in the sport for so long to be told, I'm not, we're not reviewing your, we're not renewing, sorry, your contract, yeah. your heart must sink every time you get in that car. Because I'm sure at the beginning of the season, you know, Bernardo came out and went Sebastian's our first choice. You know, that must have been reassuring that all of a sudden they go, mm, not anymore, sorry, we're going to go with someone else. One, it's a massive kick in the groin, but two, it just doesn't seem like he's got the same love anymore. I mean, you look at it, you look at the way he was driving that car, a silly, silly mistake driving into mm. Carlos Sainz. Yeah. Spins the car. All right, granted, he, at the end of the race, he comes out and goes, you know, the car was undrivable, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And, you know, we've, we we do know that car has some characteristics that they want to get rid of. That That isn't a surprise to anyone, but I, I don't know. He, he just seems... He doesn't seem like the old Sebastian of the Red Bull days where he was, you know, eager, hungry and wanting to win and dominate. Yeah, I mean, he's got the he comes out and says, you know, he's still in love with Formula One. He still wants to be here. But then his sort of demeanor doesn't doesn't really reflect that. As I saw a someone done a video on Twitter of a comparison between Leclerc and Vettel driving this year's car and just. I don't know whether it's the driving style of Vettel or driving style of Leclerc or problems with Vettel's car, but just Leclerc was nice and smooth. And Sebastian was just seemed to be fighting his car almost every corner, oversteer, yeah. understeer, locking up, and everything. And I think you know, come going back to March when they um, when they're in Australia, you know, Bonotto was Sebastian's are you know number one number one choice in terms of driver, and that was all communicated up until he then got that that phone call. Which I think was in May. That oh yeah, there's no negotiation, nothing. We're not interested. You know, we're going to go with someone else. So yeah, big kick in the groin for him, I think. Yeah, that's that's the other thing as well because he's really got nowhere to go now because um, Mercedes came out. Uh, it was either yesterday or today, and and pretty much said in stone, we are not having Sebastian. I can't. It was the CEO guy of Daimler. Mm. I can't remember his name. Yeah, the guy who attended the GP. Yeah, it was today. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and they said basically Valtteri's our man. You know, we, we're not interested. Well, not not that not interested in Sebastian, but they they want to stick with what they've got essentially. So again, another kick in the teeth, and it looks like he is unfortunately going to be on his way out. I think he will be, yeah, because the um, the massive rumor for tomorrow is that Alonso is going to be announced at Renault for 2021 and 2022. I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's. Um, Cyril, the team principal, I can't pronounce his surname, but yeah, he basically beatable. That's yeah, that's the one. <laughs> he he basically said to a lot of the senior engineers, um, we're going to be announcing our driver, new driver for next year on Wednesday, and it's someone that you've worked with before. And so wow, if you look, if you, if, yeah, if you look all over Twitter today, it's just you know, oh yeah, it's, it's only a matter of time that Alonso is going to be confirmed for the next two seasons uh, tomorrow. Doesn't surprise me in total honesty. I mean, he won two of his championships with them, for goodness sake. And it, it's strange, isn't it, that, you know, a guy like Alonso, amazing driver, there's no denying that. But this will be his third spell with the team. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and the thing is, I mean, he is, he is good, but is he still good? Or, I don't know, he's, he's, 
either himself or his management team or somebody is very very good at, at still creating this aura i think that he is you know he's up there with a lewis and a verstappen but i just don't know whether he is i'm just just i'm just not convinced i mean i heard he's quite hard to work with um but i mean as long as he's quick it doesn't really matter does it but I'm just it will be I mean a big catch for Renault because because of, of the exposure and and you know everything like that but I'm just I'm not sure but then someone did joke and say that it could be Hulkenberg. I I want to see Hulkenberg. I I I love them as a driver. I thought it was brilliant. Thought he got you know really unlucky with Germany last year and I think yeah you know he, all right yeah he's getting he's getting on a little bit and he, he is in the latter part of his career but I think one season you know too short for me i didn't like the fact that he kind of had nowhere to go mm. I, I, to be honest i i would have liked to have seen him at Haas. he did have an opportunity at Haas, but for whatever reason they re-signed with grosjean yeah, and no, i, I, I no, don't want to sound like i'm kicking grosjean <laughs> down because you know to get in formula one you've got to have some talent but if i had the choice personally between roman grosjean or nico hulkenberg i think i know which one i'd pick uh, yeah, definitely, definitely go with Hulkenberg. Um, I think there was a um, like an interview slash press conference thing last night with Vettel, Verstappen, Gasly, and Christian Horner. A lot of it was in German, so obviously didn't understand uh, okay. it, but, but it's all sort of been translated. And there was a lot more information that came out from Seb's side and from Christian's side as well, because Christian was basically saying that we were, as far as we can, we were concerned, Seb was going to be re-signed for next year mm. if we'd have known earlier we might have done something different oh well okay. so so read that read now read into that what you think but because i know that um sebastian's very close to helmut marco isn't he so he basically as soon as he found yeah. out from ferrari he rung him not to say oh have you got a seat but basically sort of to ask him for his advice and everything like that so that was quite um sort of quite a few telling comments from sebastian last night so yeah, it doesn't seem to be any babble between them, do, do, do does there? No, I mean, do you think do you think Seb's going to see out the rest of the year? Because I think, I mean, it seems like the relationship seems to be deteriorating on almost like a daily basis. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't really speculate on that one. I mean, I think it all depends upon whether there will be any fans attending the races. Because if, for instance, you know the COVID sort of impact on racing where there are no fans at the second. If that, if that all relaxes, I imagine he'd want to see Monza out. Yeah. I imagine, you know, if because there was talk about the German GP coming back in the later half of the year, obviously yet to be confirmed. But if if that was back on the radar, I think he'd probably want to give that one last crack. Uh, I think the ball's very much in his court because at the end of the day, he has a contract. He yeah. can fulfil those races. Or, you know, he could probably go to Ferrari and go... Uh, you know, I, I, I want to pull out and then they just pay him off and probably get Carlos in a little bit early. I mean, we saw that with Carlos from Toro Rosso to Renault, if memory serves me right. Joined yeah. Renault halfway through the season a um, couple of years back. So it, it's not uncommon for drivers to drop off partway through seasons and, you know, other, dri- other drivers come in. But I think it's very much going to be dependent on how the season shapes. I, I, I don't know. I'm just fitballing, but it... it uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I can see him sort of seeing out the rest of the season. I reckon just just because he was just want to keep it professional. But then I suppose yeah. it, it depends very much on whether he's got sort of anywhere else to anywhere else to go next year, or if there's any other opportunities. Because some people are saying, you know, if for example, sort of going back slightly to Alonso with Renault, if um, 
if Alonso does sign, then chuck him in in place of sort of Danny Rick for a couple of races this year. I don't know whether you can do that or not, but you know these 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 drivers that are all swapping around, chuck them in for like the last two or three races just so they can get practice with the team. It's probably not Sorry, possible. We 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 say and put Danny Rick in McLaren, Fernando in Renault, mm. and Carlos in Ferrari. That's what that's what pe- people have been saying, but I, that that's never going to happen. Never going to happen because sponsors won't be happy with that. Um, but because okay. you know it is 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 such a short season and testing is so minimal now yeah um people saying it's potentially a, a great idea to give that driver some more experience not that fernando really needs experience but so i've just been reading then about the fernando alonso announcement apparently uh someone's come out and unofficially said that it's pretty much a done deal and they're just making it official tomorrow yeah uh just been reading that then oh yeah, yeah. okay fair enough yeah i think i mean it's literally everybody mm-hmm. seems to be retweeting it and everything like that so i think it's pretty much 100% confirmed so what well, one thing I don't understand right is and this is by no means a dig at Fernando but you know Renault have junior teams they've got an entire category the Formula One their uh, F- Formula Renault division they have drivers that are in the F2 division why are they not using their young driver program that's what someone else did say I saw a comment by Twitter on Twitter saying yeah where's the point yeah, Lonzo's great, <clears throat> great exposure, you know, all that sort of stuff, great media, everything. But what's the point in the Renault Junior program if you're not going to use drivers from that? Yeah, this is the argument that George Russell was trying to put together as well because, all right, yeah, he's driving for a Mercedes-powered team in, in Williams, but his his sort of argument that he, he was mentioning during the lockdown was, you know, if Valtteri's to be ousted, why are you looking anywhere other than at me? I am a Mercedes driver. I have proven to be good at what, what I do. Why would you not promote me? This was yeah. when all the speculation was going on about Sebastian potentially joining and, you know, them looking at other options. But I, I don't know. It seems like Red Bull, the only team that, I, that I've certainly seen in, in recent years that actually seem to be promoting from within. Yeah. Every other team I haven't seen utilise an internal junior programme. I think they've all kind of looked at the, the Red Bull... Uh, way of doing things with a junior team and gone oh that's really really good you know we get them in yeah. the f3 f2 bring them up but it only seems that red Bull, the actual ones that actually take it through don't they and start promoting you know kvyat and verstappen gasly yeah the exception to that i think is mclaren mclaren don't have a junior team it's just where they do have a junior you know program and they've, they've brought some really good talent through there you know lewis being an yeah. example lando being a really good example but yeah some of these other bigger teams i mean ferrari have only recently started doing it you know as of last year with Charles and bringing yeah. it through to the the top team but it does beg the question if you have a junior program and this is where I'm saying I don't mean to sound horrible towards Fernando because he won two championships with Renault. And maybe that has been, you know, the the knock on the head that has dictated this. You know, the history of the team has, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision, but for the sake of two years, why not bring someone in from F2 and actually have them embed in the t- in the team? Yeah, I, I'm still not convinced by Renault's choice of Alonso, but. Prove me yeah, wrong. We'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have prove, to see. Prove me wrong, exactly. Um, talking of um, Ferrari, announced a little while ago about their upgrades for Hungary. Uh, now they're yes. sort of saying they're going to try and bring them forward to this weekend, um, which is quite interesting. I, I mean, it's not a case of just getting a new wing or a new side pod and just bolting it on. 
it is but yeah i think they're going to be uh but also basically just said it's it's down to how quickly or how many of, of the spare or the new parts that we can actually manufacture in marinello so you may see uh, some big new parts on the ferrari this weekend so question is will it deliver pace because you know you, you look at it and this is what i was saying about you know ferrari's development when we first started the show is you know it doesn't seem like the issues are just with the car it seems like there are issues with the power unit and i don't think i mean this is just me you know again just talking out loud to I just don't think that the upgrade that they're going to bring is going to be enough. I really don't. No, I mean, we don't know sort of the ins and outs of, you know, the upgrades and how long ago they've been playing and things like that. But it just it just seems like it's just a big knee-jerk reaction. Like they've got to Rebel Wing and gone, oh, my God, you know, the car is really far off the pace. Let's just bring these forward. And I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't think they truly know whether they're going to work or not. There is a big deficit. I mean, you look at qualifying, for example, um, I think they were half a second off. That's yeah. a hell of a lot of time in Formula One terms to find in one in a couple of bits. Of, it, uh, again, this is all dependent upon the development. It might just be a front wing. It might be an entire car. It could be engine and car. We we don't know the full detail, but that's a hell of a lot of time to try and make up in one upgrade. Yeah, I mean, we need you know we need we need Ferrari and we need Red Bull. To, to be up at the front, I mean, challenging, challenging Mercedes and potentially other teams, McLaren and people like that, you know, just to make it, just to make it exciting, as you were saying earlier on. Yeah. So. Hamilton's penalty for his clash with Albon. Do you think it was justified or not? Uh, part of me says yeah. Part of me says no. Um, for the no side, when you actually look back at the onboard footage from Lewis. His input into the wheel doesn't change. He's yeah. full ninety. He's a he's a ninety degree lock. He doesn't open the steering to drive into Albon. He pretty much keeps it in that position throughout the corner. Yeah. So you can't argue. You can't say that he pushed Albon into the gravel because he didn't. He just took the line that he was taking and kept. And it's evidence from the footage. But on the other hand, you've got the yes side, which is. You know, when you when you look at the heli the helicopter view of the two cars, Albon is quite clearly ahead, and it's yeah. rear wheel to front wheel. Albon's rear wheel hits Lewis's front wheel, so you can't argue that he did not see Albon, and why he didn't put a little bit more right hand steering in. Yeah, because he was Albon was quite quite far ahead on the exit, wasn't it? And I think yeah. that Albon was pretty much as far over to the left hand side as he could possibly go without touching the gravel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still, I'm still, still debating whether I think five seconds, whether it was harsh or not. I think there's been so many other incidents in the past, I think, which haven't got the five seconds. But again, it comes down to this consistency in the fact that some penalties are applied in so many different situations either way that it does get a little bit confusing. Uh, this is the thing, like uh, Lewis. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Lewis. He's a British driver. You know, I'm a Brit myself, as everyone can probably gather. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not the biggest of fans of him. But he's not a malicious driver. He's not, not a driver that comes out and he tries to push people. He's a very fair driver. You know, yeah. he'll, he'll have a good scrap, but he, he knows when enough's enough and to when, when to let someone pass. And that, to me, just seemed like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
from what I could see, there was no malicious intent to go, oh, you know what, so this album, you're going into the gravel. I'm, yeah, I'm no. staying ahead of you. There was none of that. No, definitely but not, no. there's the argument to say that he could have done more to avoid that situation. Yeah, I mean, I think if if the Red Bulls and the Mercedes can keep pretty similar on pace, I think the Albon and Hamilton kind of battle, I think, will start to get a bit more fruity throughout the rest of the season. Don't forget Max, though. I mean, Ma- yeah. Max is no slouch. And, no, but I just you know, they, I, they just seem to be keep coming together because they come together yeah. in Brazil last year, didn't they? And it, I think, yeah. was it was it Massa? It was Massa and Hamilton, wasn't it, that had quite a few years ago they had a bit of a ding-dong where like quite a few races throughout that year they sort of kept hitting each other I can kind yeah. of see this happening with Hamilton and Album. yeah it's from, like cars yeah. like magnets yeah you had that kind of uh yeah kind of rivalry didn't you throughout the whole season so so the results of our predictions um oh, I was way off <laughs> I was way off I was way off uh was I way off what did I say I said well for Stappen obviously so I was way off uh, and then I think I said Lewis. Lewis and and then, so, yeah, I was pretty far off. Yeah, I was as well. I think I had Albon, uh, Charles and Valtteri. I don't even think I put Lewis on the podium. I can't remember. So are you going to keep those same predictions for the race this weekend? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, you can't, come on, you no. can't stand on the fence. You've got you to no. give something. It's it's strange though because we don't know if there's going to be unreliability because if there's unreliability, you know, as we saw last weekend, you are going to get some surprise results. Yeah. But if we're right, I'm going to make two two assumptions here, and don't shout at me because I normally meant to make one. <laughs> if there are no big dramas, I'm going to say Mercedes one two and a Red Bull for three. If if there is some variety and we do get a similar instance where the safety cars and mixed strategies and unreliability then i'm gonna call a racing point a red bull and a merc what in is that from three to one or one to three no that, that's just <laughs> me saying one of them will end up somewhere all <laughs> oh, right okay well somewhere yeah, in the, yeah. in, somewhere in the top 20 yeah yeah somewhere <laughs> somewhere in that three one of six cars will end up there sorry three enough. of six cars <laughs> <laughs> yeah because because you could have rain and you could have unreliability as well, can you, this weekend? Well, this is uh, the thing. We haven't seen any of these cars perform in wet weather. And, and we, we all know wet weather does tend to throw up some amazing results and amazing races. Definitely. You definitely. know, so some cars look brilliant in the dry, but they're terrible in the wet. Or yeah. they have a lack of grip in the wet. You know, take Germany last year, for example. Sebastian started the back, finished second. His yeah. car was planted throughout that race. Yeah, and it tended the rain just it tends to narrow the narrow the performance gap as well, doesn't it? So your your yeah. straight line straight line speed and your overall power doesn't it doesn't play. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, exactly. It's just pure no. skill, pure skill. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Anyway, what's yours? I'm gonna go with Verstappen. <laughs> I've got a, a second time lucky, hopefully with Verstappen, and then I'm gonna go for Bottas and then Hamilton. Oh, so you're going for Stappen outright win? Yep, and then I, I, I just, I, I've got a feeling as well that that Bottas is going to beat Hamilton this weekend. I, I want him to. I really want him to, and not not because I'm spiteful towards Lewis, but I just yeah. want to see a fight. I don't want to see, you know, Lewis winning this one, points go even, and then he just, you know, buggers off, off into the, the distance, runs off into the sunset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's Wait, yeah. <laughs> 
So Verstappen, Bottas, and Hamilton. I'm not going to put any any cash on it, but that's my prediction. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Right, that brings us to the end of episode three. Hope you enjoyed it, everyone. So hit us up on Facebook, that's Racecast UK, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll be back next week for another podcast with a review of the second Grand Prix of this season. See you later. (laughs) 